Well, hey everyone, my name is Steven and I am one of the pastors here at Journey Church. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to this message. We pray that this helps you on your walk with Jesus, but also that it encourages you to get plugged into a local community of believers. Hey, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that being isolated from others is not how God intended us to live. So be sure to use this resource in conjunction with being plugged into your local church. Hey, we hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, it is Father's Day, so happy Father's Day. This is a, a good day of dad jokes. I, I, I was reminded of one because I saw one of our uh, wonderful police officers that we have sitting here on the front row, and uh, what do the police officers say to his belly button? You're, you're under a vest. Okay, th- there you go. There's your, there's your dad joke for the day. It's good, wasn't it? Okay, all right. I've got even better ones, but I'll just save those for later. Um, Hey, I do want to make mention before we even get into the message, uh, I just appreciate so much, uh, as Pastor Stephen was playing that last song with the band, um, that's something that he actually wrote at the beginning of Journey Church, when we first started over seven years ago, um, and we were doing a teaching series on Moses, and you may wonder, well, what's Yahweh? I've not heard that before. That is in the Old Testament, when when God was having a conversation with Moses, uh, Moses was being called to be the deliverer of the people, Moses was very reluctant. He said, if I go to them and if I go to the people, who should I tell them has sent me? What is your name? And God says, I am. That's the name of God, I am. In Hebrew, the name is Yahweh. Um, For Jesus, the Hebrew name is is Yeshua, so you'll hear us use that because that's the literal, actual name of God. It's the name Yahweh. You often see it as the tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, in the Bible, but it's the name of God, the I am, the great I am. Well, that's a side note. Um, I just appreciate all that Stephen does and the way that he has led um, the, the music and led, helped lead this church for the past seven years. It's been great. Um, this is a special day, Father's Day. This is a very special day for uh, me here today, not only because of my kids, I have, I have six children, but my oldest son, Andrew, and his wife, Haley, uh, they have been expecting a baby due at the end of July, and they've had some complications that came up. They had to go to Denver, do an emergency C-section yesterday, but they had a little boy yesterday, so I have a new little grandson, a little, thank you. So, um, yeah, his, his name is Simeon, he is, uh, which is a biblical name also, and we'll someday talk about that, but you can find that uh, biblical name. Um, but he, uh, he's got some issues. He's going to be in the, the intensive care, the neonatal intensive care, uh, for three or four weeks, so we would appreciate just continual prayers for this little boy. And uh, he was born a month early, a little, right about a month early, and he was still six pounds, 10 ounces, which I'm like, wow, if he had gone to full term, you know, nine and a half, 10 pound baby. That is a, that is a big boy. Well, we just are thankful for them. And my son, Andrew, it's his very first father's day today. So that's what a, what a cool thing. Dads, we have the ability to impact our kids' lives for the long term. Not only as they're little, but even still when they are adults and when they have their own children, we can be a positive influence and a positive impact upon their lives. In his book called Healing the Masculine Soul, 
Gordon Dalby, though, wrote of the problem that men have. One of the problems is this, and it's illustrated in this way. In this book called Healing the Masculine Soul, Gordon Dalby, he, he tells about a, a Catholic nun. And this Catholic nun was working in a prison. It was Mother's Day at the time that they were in the prison, and one of the inmates had asked her if she could get him a Mother's Day card that he could send to his mom. Well, the other inmates heard this. They heard that, he, that she did this for him, and so they approached her as well and said, can you get us a card as well? Well, this was overwhelming. There were hundreds and hundreds of inmates that had asked this same request. So the nun, a little bit overwhelmed, contacted Hallmark Cards. They sent several boxes of cards, and then the warden had a drawing, a lottery system, where each prisoner would draw a number, and then they would wait in line for their chance to pick out a card to send to their mom. It was an overwhelming hit. It was an overwhelming success. Well, the Catholic nun a few weeks later realized that Father's Day was coming, so trying to beat this rush, she contacted Hallmark again and said, would you please get us a lot of cards so that we can have them available for Father's Day? To her shock, not a single inmate, not a single prisoner asked for a card to send to their fathers. That is because most of them either did not know their fathers or they had such a damaged relationship, such a dysfunctional relationship with their father that they did not want to acknowledge their existence on Father's Day. Fathers can have a tremendous impact upon the lives of their kids. Today we're faced with a question, and the question essentially is this question, how can I be a man after God's own heart? Now we had just finished a series last week about living a godly life in an ungodly world, and we talked about holiness. Well today, we're kind of a little bit continuing that series in a standalone message on Father's Day entitled, A Man After God's Own Heart. What does a man after God's own heart actually look like? It's not just men, it is also women. What does a person after God's own heart actually look like? But we want to gear this today specifically to men. Well, Psalm chapter 1 is what we're going to look at, and so read these words with me here on the screen as I read them. Just follow along, and here's what Psalm chapter 1 says. We're going to read through verse 3 today says this, happy is the one who has not walked in the advice of the wicked, nor stood in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, that is called the Torah of God, or Torah of Adonai. And on his law, on the Torah, he meditates day and night. He will be like a planted tree over streams of water, producing its fruit during its season. Its leaf never drops or droops, but in all he does, he succeeds. Let's pray as we begin. Father, help us today to hear from you. Help us to understand your truth. Help us to apply that truth to our lives and help us to walk away from this place having felt your conviction and your encouragement, committing ourselves to being people who walk after your heart, who live a life the way that you have intended. Help us, Lord, to be, uh, to be understanding. Help us to be uh, seeking you for wisdom. Help us, Lord, to be surrendering our lives to the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do today. I pray that you would heal some damaged relationships. I pray, Father, that you would encourage men to be the kind of dads that you long for them to be. And I pray, Father, that in all things that you would receive the glory and the praise. We thank you that you are the ultimate Heavenly Father, the ultimate picture of what a true father is, and help us dads to understand and and really learn from your modeling. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, what I want to do today is I want to focus on just three things that these three verses, one thing from each verse, that it says about what it means to be a man after God's own heart. Now, particularly, I am gearing this toward men, the kind of man you are, the kind of man that you will be, whether you have children or not. You may have children and your children may be grown. You may have children that are still in the house and you're leading your children. You may not have children, but you have, You maybe you're a stepfather and you have stepchildren, or maybe you have nieces and nephews or other people that you're mentoring. We are called to be men of God. I, I really believe that the problem in our society today, not only have we turned our backs on God, but men have not stepped up to the plate to be the kind of men that God wants us to be. We have been focused on things that we shouldn't be focused on. We are consumed with building our little empires of financial wealth. We are consumed with ourselves in so many ways, and we have fallen short of being the kind of men that God wants us to be. Well, let's look at this together and understand these three points about what a man of God, a man after God's own heart, actually looks like. Number one is this. A man of God lives right. A man of God lives right. In Psalm 1, verse 1, again, let's read these words. It says this. Happy is the one who has not walked in the advice of the wicked, nor stood in the way of sinners, nor sat in the seat of scoffers. Happy is the one who does not listen to the advice and the counsel of the people of the world. Happy is the one who makes God the priority. Happy is the one who determines, I'm going to live my life after God, and I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what other things come against me. I will live for God and God alone. He will become the most important part of my life. Last week, we ended the series really dealing with the same kind of point when we talked about walking in a manner worthy of God. That's what this is. Are you walking in a manner that is worthy of God? If God were to pull you aside, would he say to you, I am pleased with the way that you are living out your life? Or would he say, something has got to change? In Proverbs chapter 4, it says this, Do not enter the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil people. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass by. Guys, are your kids seeing demonstrated in you what a life of God actually looks like? I heard a story about a guy who was having a, an argument with his wife. Now, outside it was cold. It was cold weather. It was the middle of winter. And outside there was about a foot of snow. Well, the guy was in an argument with his wife. He stormed out the door because he was so frustrated, kind of slamming the door behind him as he went. As he was going, huffing and puffing out of the house, he was making steps and footprints in the one foot of snow that he was trying to walk through. 
all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye, he caught a glimpse of something that would have broken my heart if I had seen this. And that was his little five-year-old son had followed him out of the house. And his little five-year-old son was picking up his feet and he was trying to step into the footprints that were made by his father right there, uh, right there in front of him. Guys, if your child was walking in your footprints, what would he be stepping in? Is the kind of thing that you're modeling to your children, whether they're young or old, modeling to your stepchildren, modeling to your nieces and nephews, to the kids that you're mentoring, are the things that you are stepping in the things that would be pleasing to God, or would this bring shame upon you? God wants us to walk in a manner worthy because we have little kids who are stepping in our footsteps right behind us. And they're watching everything you do. And they're understanding and seeing everything that you are going through. A dad has an incredible ability to impact his kids forever. Even if your kids are grown, you still have an impact upon them. Even if they're not yours and you're a step parent, you still have an impact. Even if you're, they're not, maybe they're your niece or nephew, you still have an impact. I'll never forget a story that happened. Uh, it was 10 years ago, and we were in downtown Denver, roughly 10 years ago. We were in downtown Denver, and uh, we were there just as a family. We were, I, I don't remember what the reason was that we were there, but we were downtown. It was the middle of summer, and I had my little son, who was our youngest, two years old, and he, I was holding him in my arms. And then I had my other son, who was five at the time. He was right there beside me. And then the rest of our family was all together. We were standing on the sidewalk on the corner, ready to cross the street. As we were about to cross the street, I was getting impatient because the light wasn't changing. I didn't get the little, the little walk symbol downtown. And so I was getting a little bit impatient. And I decided, there's, there's not enough traffic. I can just go, and it'll be fine. So I went, and... I had my little son in my arms as I'm crossing the street, and I hadn't really noticed the bus that was coming. Now, the bus, the driver, should be you know, punished in some way, but the driver, I know for a fact, he stepped on the accelerator trying to scare me. And as he stepped on it, it was getting closer and closer. Well, I hurried across the street. I shouldn't have gone. I was just impatient. Now, I'm sure none of you guys, that's ever been a problem for you, but I was just impatient. To my horror, I looked back, and my little five-year-old son was following me. He saw Dad go out into the street, so he decided he was going to follow. Now, we were not going to get hit by the bus, but the bus was coming a lot faster than I realized. That night, I had a nightmare about that event. And in my nightmare, I thought, what if he had tripped and fallen? What if he had stumbled what if the bus had hit him? My son followed in my footsteps because I was impatient. Do your kids ever do that? They are following what you're modeling to them. Are you pleased with what you're modeling to them? God wants us to walk in a manner worthy of him. So as you're walking out life, are you stepping in things that you would be okay with your kids putting their foot, feet in your footprints.
Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 these words. He says, so pay close attention to how you walk. Don't walk as unwise people. Walk as wise people. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. For this reason, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, for that is recklessness. Instead, instead of being filled with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, that's Yeshua, the Messiah. It's, again, it's, it, this is about how you walk. It's about how you act. It's about how you live. It's about the words that come out of your mouth. Use your words. Use your life. Use your gratitude in such a way that your kids will follow in a good in a good way, that they will step in good footsteps. Number two, not only does a man of God live right, but a man of God desires truth. Psalm 1, verse 2, says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, the Torah of Adonai. And on his law, on the Torah, he meditates day and night. That becomes the heart's cry of a man or of a person of God, is that I want to meditate on his word. I want to delight in his word. I want to know his word in the innermost places. And I want to let his word change everything about who I am and about what my life is. A man of God delights in God's truth. A man of God thinks about God's truth. A man of God teaches his family God's truth. Again, guys, are you doing that? Are you walking in a way that God would be pleased? And are you leading your family, teaching your family to know God and to follow him? Are you pointing in the direction of God? Where does that start? It starts in my own heart. I have to first delight in God in order to lead others to delight in God. And as you lead your families, you delight in God. And he will do a great work in you. The corruption of the world and the lies of the world should bother you if you are a man of God. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, this is what it says. The book of the, uh, of the Torah, the law, should not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous and then you will be successful. How do, how do you measure success, guys? See, I, I know most men, they measure success by the level that they have gained in their employment. They measure success by the wage that they're paid, whether it's a salary or your wage per hour. That's how they measure success. A lot of guys measure success based upon the house that they have. A lot of guys measure success based upon the, uh, the toys that they have accumulated. Do you know that none of that matters? Do you, do you know that it, it doesn't matter at all? Those are kind of nice, but they really don't matter. You know what God's definition of success is? God's definition of success is when you meditate on his word and you teach your family his word, then you will be prosperous and successful. He doesn't say when you earn that next promotion or when you get that next toy, he says when you meditate on my word, you will be prosperous and successful. That's God's definition. 
And that's what God's expectation is of who we are to be. Psalm 119.11, it says, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Jeremiah 15 says, your words were found, so I ate them. Your words were a delight to me, the joy of my heart, for I am called by your name, O God, O Lord, God of hosts. A man of God lives right. A man of God desires the truth. Finally, a man of God also blesses others. Guys, you are to be a blessing to your kids, whether they are young or old. You are to be a blessing to your grandkids if you have them. You're to be a blessing to your stepchildren if you have them. You're to be a blessing to your nieces and nephews, to the kids that you're mentoring. You are to be a blessing to others. In Psalm 1, verse 3, he says this. He will be like a tree, a planted tree, over streams of water producing its fruit during its season. Its leaf never droops. But in all he does, he succeeds. So I want you to picture in your mind a tree. Don't picture a Wyoming tree. Picture a good, solid, hardy tree planted by a stream. And as that tree is planted by the stream, the roots run deep down into the soil. Because it's good soil. It's got good water. And as it's deeply planted into the soil by the waters, it grows large and it starts to bear fruit out on the branches. See, that's God's expectation of us. We are people who bear fruit because our roots run deep down into the word of God, the living water of God. Because of that, we can start to bear fruit in our lives. One of the fruits that we bear is the ability to bless others. Men, your children need your blessing. You say, well, what is a blessing? Here's what a blessing is. That your children are blessed because of who they are, not what they do. Okay, let me say that again. Your children are blessed because of who they are, not what they do. I have as a goal to communicate to all of my children this truth. I love you. And I am proud of you. And I am so grateful you're in my life. I am so grateful God has given you to me, into our family. You mean the world to me. We live in a sports-crazy world. We live in a sports-crazy society. And I have seen this time and time again because my kids have all participated in sports like many of your children have. And there are parents that live in this world, this fantasy world, that their kids are only good enough if they perform on the court or on the field. If they perform well enough on the court or on the field, then you give them affirmation. And if they don't perform well enough, you give them condemnation and shame. That's not blessing. That's really all about us, not about our kids. The blessing we give to our kids is, I am so proud of you and I love you so much and I'm so grateful for you because God has put you into my family. Every child craves that kind of blessing from their, from their dads. I have a part-time job, a side job, that I work with an airline. 
And I used to work out at the airport, but now I work in the recruiting department and I recruit pilots. I work with pilots. One of the things that I have been able to do is I have done interviews with pilots and I have seen, first of all, there's a video part of it and I've seen the answer to video questions. The video question is this. This is one of like 10, but one of them is this. Who is the single most influential person on your life when it comes to your career? Eight out of 10 times they have said, and they always say, my dad. You as a man have the ability to bless them immensely. You give them hugs, you touch them, you praise them, you say, I'm proud of you, I am so grateful for you, I am thankful for you. That is blessing your kids, and your kids long for that. There are some in this room today that you're not a kid anymore. There's some that are maybe in their 30s or 40s or 50s, maybe older than that. We won't go beyond that, but maybe older than that. And you never got that from your dad. And it has been a scar and a wound in your life ever since. There's a story that I really, really like. And it's a story maybe that some of you have heard. Maybe you've even read the book. The book is by a guy by the name of Monty Roberts. I don't know if that name strikes a bell for any of you, but he is also known you, but he is also known as heard that. You probably heard Monty Roberts wrote the book called The Monty Roberts Who Wrote the Book called The Man Who Listens to Horses. He wrote it about it as many he gives the story and in his relationship he gives the story of the relationship that he had with his father's son, Monty. Son, Monty never do anything. Couldn't never do anything. He could never do enough to please his father. Monty Roberts would become a reader. Monty Roberts would become a horse and he would horse whisper and he would break over the prophecies of breaking horses and then gently. And then he wrote this book as a result of that. Monty's father was also a horse was also a horse breaker by trade. And he broke horses, but he broke different. Very, he broke them in a very violent way. He would often tie the horse down. And do horses into obedience. Now, when Monty was seven, now when Monty was father decided it was time for him, decided it was time for him to bring a horse on his home. The horses were so dainty that horses were a dangerous machine. You hurt them to break them, you hurt them first before they hurt you. When Monty was seven, when Monty was seven, he had a smart heart, never wanted to Monty, and he never wanted to hurt anyone or anything. So Monty determined, I'm going to so Monty determined, I'm going to work gently and I'm with them. them. And I'm going to try to break them gently. Well, he tried it. Age well, he seven. tried it. Age and by the seven. third day of, by the third day of working gently with a horse, he was able to get a saddle on one of the horses. He writes in his book these words. In his book these words. My quote: Wildly excited, wildly excited by what I had accomplished. I, I ran immediately to the house to tell my father. I asked him to come and watch. I asked him to come and watch. When my father arrived, my father arrived. at my accomplishing this after just three days. Slowly my father stood up, still fixing me with that look that could have meant any number of things. And my father said to me these words, 
what the blankety blank am I raising? The father then grabbed a chain and beat his seven-year-old son so severely that he had to be rushed to the emergency room. He continued to beat his son into submission until his son was 15. The scars drove a permanent wedge between the father and his son to the point that he wanted nothing to do with him for the rest of his life. Monty's dad was in his 80s, and Monty's mother was on her deathbed. Monty's mother had one request of her son as she was lying there dying, and the request was this, would you please figure out how to reconcile with your father? Well, again, Monty's dad was in his 80s. Monty was in his mid-50s at the time. At this time, Monty had still longed for his father's blessing, had never received it, Monty had broken up to 6,500 horses by that point in his career. Well, at the request of his dying mother, he thought he would reach out to his father. His father, his father relented and said, okay, I will come to your next event where you're going to be demonstrating this, and I'll see it. His father came to the event where he was demonstrating how to break horses gently. The first horse, the first wild, unbroken horse was brought into the ring, and after only 20 minutes, Monty was riding the horse. At the end of the day, Monty had broken more horses in that one single day than his father would break in a six-week time period. At the end of the event, he thought that he had, you know, proved himself. He came up to his father, and his father only said these words, you keep doing it that way, and they're eventually going to get you. And that's all he said. He refused to give his son the blessing that he had always craved. I'm proud of you. I love you. I am grateful for you. I am so glad you're in my life. I am so glad I had you. Monty would walk away with a scar that would never be healed by his father. And it's a reminder that every one of us need the blessing we need to give that blessing to our kids. A man of God who follows the Lord, who is committed to God, who walks rightly with God, who loves the truth of God, becomes a person who bears fruit and blesses others. See, Monty is not alone because there are many people, whether you're in this room or somebody who is watching, or friends that you have that never receive that kind of love from their father. And they have carried that kind of wound all of their lives. In fact, some of you may feel like, I can't do enough. I, I've never measure up. I'll never do it right. Because you've always been craving something you've never received. Do you know that Jesus gave us the ultimate picture, the model of what this looks like? When Jesus was baptized, just remember this event in your mind. When he was baptized, he came up out of the water and they heard the voice of God the Father saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, the father didn't say because he is going to die on the cross, because he is going to rise again, because of what the work he's going to do. He just said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the blessing that we give to our children, guys. 
walking up to them and saying, I am so grateful for you. I am thankful for you. You are my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. And I am so pleased with you. A man of God, a godly man who lives for God, wants God to be at the center of their hearts, has a heart that longs for God, will be a man who lives and walks right, who desires the truth, desires God's truth, delights in God's truth in the innermost places and bears fruit and becomes a blessing to his children. Guys, are you doing that? If you're not, are you ready to begin? Because that's what God wants. And that's the kind of men that we are supposed to be. If godly men would step up and start doing that, our society would change. But sadly, very few guys are. And sadly, our society just continues to crumble. You can make that decision today that that's the kind of man you will be. Would you pray with me? Father, I am so, so grateful today that we can have a God like you that we can worship and honor. You are not a distant God. You are not an uninvolved God. You're not a God who would abandon us. You're a God who has adopted us into your family. You have freely poured out your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness upon us, though we don't deserve it. Though we have messed up, you still love us. You have given us your spirit by which we can cry out, Abba, Father. We can have that closeness with you. And you say the same kind of thing to us that you say to your son. There we are, and we are pleasing in your sight. You say to us, you are my beloved child, and I am so pleased with you. And I pray, Father, that we would just receive that from you today. We can't go back and change the past. We can't go back and change the dynamics of father relationships, but we can be healed by you and we can be the kind of people you want us to be as we go forward. Father, thank you for this Father's Day. Thank you for these people in this place who want to follow you. Help us to be fully committed, fully surrendered people that strive after your own heart. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to that message. We hope that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to Journey, head to our website, journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your gift helps us to continue providing resources like this every single week. Also, be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website for updates and additional information. Hey, God bless you guys and have a great day.